0: episode of the restoration today podcast is brought to you by surety surety is the third party fund control company founded by those who understand the entire restoration industry especially the paying contractors experience just trying to get paid surety establishes payment rails from insurance carriers to restoration contractors protecting property owners and every party from risk using 3d geospatial scan technology If you want to reduce your debt, free up your admin staff, and improve the experience of your clients, book a demo with Surety today. Hello there. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Restoration Today podcast. Today, I am excited to have Mike Colton back on. He is the president of property estimating at Veris. This is the third time he and I have gotten to chat on my podcast. I'm very excited to have him back. We're trying to kind of keep the industry updated on trends with Xactimate and Veris and pricing and all of the things that are going on. So Mike, welcome back. Thank you very much for spending some time with me today. So for those of you who have not Met you or heard from you. Introduce yourself and share a little bit about your background in the restoration industry, specifically.
1: Oh, thanks. Well, good to see you, Michelle. It's always a pleasure to be here, and uh, like the third time. Don't know if it's the charm or if it's three strikes or what, but just the glad charm, to be here. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Mike um, Fulton. I'm a, an industry guy. Um, got my start as a general contractor. Used to build homes. Used to restore homes uh, back in the Atlanta area in the southeast. Uh, for years, have been with Exactware. This is my 30th year with Exactware, so I'm on the technology side. Although I like keeping my hands and my my mental state in the uh, within the industry itself, um, you know, I have uh, I'm a strategist. Uh, my job is to you know rather than actually saving the world one home at a time, you know, putting homes back together, is to think of what the industry needs. Several years out, uh, and mm-hmm. try and build those things to to help the people that are doing that today, yep. put things things back together. It's been an interesting road. Uh, I've served many roles uh, in my position here, uh, and you know there's a there's an interesting story about how I got here. I won't get into that, but uh, most spent most of my tenure within the organization, leading the team that does the research and the analysis. Of building cost data and publishing that building cost data out into the industry so help to develop that team and the methodology that has become so successful today uh, and kind of being uh, you know for lack of a better term kind of the standard by which everybody operates on uh, from a building cost side but just glad to be here uh, and just appreciate the opportunity to talk with you
0: I always enjoy chatting so this is wonderful. So what what are some of the big trends you're seeing in the industry right now? What's really affecting rest- restorers and contractors right now?
1: Well, the big thing that's affecting everybody and it, even though it's they, you know the the government claims it slowed down a little bit uh, is just inflation mm-hmm. and staying abreast of that uh, and you know how do you how do you write an estimate today uh, when you know that you may not begin work on that property or not may not get to a certain phase on that property for 30 days 45 days 60 days out uh, and guarantee those prices those are those are challenges that the industry has in general uh, and it's not just on the labor side but the you know the lead time on materials as well i've got you know friends that are building homes uh, here in this particular area and i mean cabinets are, are four to five months out windows are you know 10 months out it's it's just incredible the the amount of time it takes to to get some of those things in. But I think those are in general are always the things that, it, that affect restorers. Price is what puts food on the table uh, and allows you to pay your bills and make payroll. And so that's something that's very keen to us, something that we do our best to stay abreast of. There's still a broad range of prices out there in the marketplace, believe it or yes. not. Roofing is kind of the king uh, in that space as everybody knows. But I would say that in general is, is the key technology that uh, restorers are seeing continue to progress will always be at, at the forefront or just below that forefront from a pricing perspective. How can we help them and reduce the amount of time that they have to take in the creation of an estimate, in the auditing of an estimate to make sure that it meets the guidelines that this particular insurer wants versus another insurer wants? so that they can get on to doing what they do best, which is actually restoring the home. So can can we assist them in that upfront process and the writing of an estimate so that it's accurate for them? And and accuracy, as we've said, is a relative thing. It's it's what is accurate for the restorer, what's accurate for the policyholder uh, and for the particular job in question. So what's accurate from that perspective uh, and uh, how can we do so in, in the most effective way?
0: So, what should it look like on the property claim side if there is a loss and maybe an exactimate estimate is written, it's approved maybe by the adjuster and everything? But hey, materials are delayed. Hey, the project's delayed. Then what needs to happen in those projects when it's like, well, now the prices are so different from what they were when we initially figured all this out?
1: Yeah, this is a this is a shift mm-hmm. that's that's got to happen in the industry and you know the insurance the policy contract typically, uh, in some way, or shape, or form, either implies or or physically states that we owe you for repair or replacement of this thing based upon the time of the loss. Uh, and if the time of the loss was January 2022, and you're not affecting the repair until April, let alone something like June, the price is, is quite different. And so that's one of the challenges that we see. I know Greg Pine, who's, who's our VP of Pricing Data Services here, one of the top questions he has when it comes to questions that come in from the field about the prices not working is simply because they're using a price from january and today's june Mm -hmm. and that's something that we don't have control over but it's something that realistically that it's known that this is an issue that we've got to address it as an industry but it is an industry issue and something we've got to deal with Uh, but that is that's key
0: Okay, so staying on the pricing track here, how's your pricing analyst program going? We've been talking about that for a while, so how's that going so far?
1: Yeah, really well. I think there's there's more interest in it than we've got room to put people into right now. I think we've got a hundred plus that have gone through that. you know the key of that pricing analyst program, and we may have to actually expand it. but the initial initial concept of it was how can we how can you know greater data, greater amounts of greater they, uh, greater quantities of data, greater qualities of data coming into our system only improves that which we do significantly. So how can we effectively take what is our team of 60 or 70 people that are doing this on a day to day basis and expand that
0: mm-hmm. significantly
1: out into the field? How can we get more eyes and ears out in the field? And, and the number one key of doing that is getting people trained. How do you communicate with us? How do we put things together? What's the emo- most appropriate way to send us information yeah. so that we can act on it quickly and so that we can minimize the amount of, I guess, independent verification that we have to do. Here's, here's the issue. I mean, prior to, prior to the pricing certification course, someone calls up and says, Mike, Greg, Michelle, there is a problem with the drywall price in this particular market you know, you're publishing $2 a square foot and it needs to be two fifty dollars a square foot. You know, our response at that time was, sounds great. We've got to independently verify that. So we'll actually call a number of drywallers in the market so that we can verify that. And ideally, when, when that person calls into us, they would give us the name and number of several subs that they could reference us to that we could get that information to try and expedite it. What this process does or is intended to do is take that up a notch where we now have a professional whom we're on a first name basis with, they're on a first name basis with with us. They've been certified to the fact they've agreed to a a set of code of ethics uh, with our program to to provide provide us with only uh, certified information from their perspective. Yep. They can not only just call us and give us that information, but they can provide us the background material for that so that we can almost literally flip the switch uh, and make that change because they have done the legwork for us. Uh, and that's going to be key. It's, it's you know, we used to call it the golden restorer or the golden contractor rule. Who, who are the people that we can really trust to get the straight scoop from in that particular market? Uh, and, you know, I don't know what the total number really needs to be for those. I mean, I initially thought, you know, two to three, four to five, maybe within each given general market, but, you know, mm-hmm. we're publishing in 476 markets. So, so do the math. Yeah, we could have a couple thousand in, yeah. in that particular, uh, category. So not anywhere near that yet. Uh, but there is a significant interest proven out by just the fact that we're in a rapidly inflating market and, and you know, prices are key and people want to participate. They, they want to be involved. They want to have a say. They want to know that their voice is heard. And this is just an opportunity for us to open that up to them.
0: Okay. All right. So, talk a little bit about the online price list editor. You talked about that the last time we spoke earlier this yeah. year as well. So, how's that going? And what is that all about for people that aren't familiar?
1: So, years ago, uh, those of you, those that have been with us and been on the Xactimate platform for a number of years, know that within Xactimate itself, uh, historically, there has been a way to open up a price list, mm-hmm. make modifications to it, copy it, duplicate it, et cetera, make it your own. Uh, and make and do those type of things or create one from scratch. Uh, yep. And that tend to move away. And what we wanted to do is create a tool that mimicked that for the most part, but put it in an online state so that literally you or I or anybody that's a, that's a, a user of the application could go online. They can pull in one of ExactWare's price lists. They can save it as, a, as Mike Fulton construction. They can make modifications to it. They can publish it to their users. If they want to, and it's actually got some really cool tools as a part of that publication perspective, so that it let's say that I am covering all of Northern Georgia in my particular territory. I may want to use similar material rates amongst the three or four markets that I'm leveraging, or similar labor rates, or only certain only similar labor rates in certain trades, et cetera. You have the ability within that online price list editor to define that level of of detail and use things back and forth. So you can set a general market. Say these are the labor rates I want to use, and then here are the exceptions uh, within that market. It takes a little bit of training, but it's actually once you get into it and start using it, it's 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 really quite cool. And so I would just encourage people, especially those that, and we know the challenge. Uh, you know, insurers it's it's not uncommon to to request or ask that you use the exact for a published price. But for non-program work, uh, you may have the latitude, and ideally, will have the latitude to use some of your own pricing. From our perspective, it's it's fine. You know, we we encourage you to do that. Everybody knows that we always have, and as yeah. part of our documentation. But I think it's a really cool tool that allows people to facilitate that.
0: How do you see technology changing the estimating? game, I guess, in the industry right now. There are so many new platforms out there. I remember when Matterport was the big thing, right? And DocuSketch. And now we have Hover and so many others that are also changing how estimating is being done and um, how adjusters are looking at things and how estimators need to be involved. So what's kind of your viewpoint on, on the future of estimating and what it will look like to get accurate pricing and accurate scopes of work?
1: You know, it's uh, the visual intelligence is going to be the key. So mm-hmm. can we take from an image or a set of images or from a video and identify the thing that is is there, meaning is it is it drywall, is it five and a quarter inch baseboard, number one, uh, and then is it damaged and the type of damage that's that has been done to it. And from that, you can actually put in a, uh, uh, an application rule to create an estimate for it now that doesn't necessarily take the professional estimator out of of the plan because if I look at a roof and say that's a a 30 year laminated shingle on it, I don't know how many layers of shingles there potentially are under that. I don't know what potential damage I might find when I start pulling those shingles off. So at some point, you gotta have somebody climb up on the roof, not just to affect the repair, but actually see what kind of damage there really, really is. But what we're trying to do is jumpstart that. And so, you know, with hover doing it from, from ground imagery, from drone imagery, you've got Loveland that's doing it from drone imagery, Eagle View that's doing it from uh, strictly aerial imagery. Um, I think those are, those are key players, the interior folks that are doing it, DocuSketch Matterport, Planner uh, is another, we're doing those types of things as well, but the technology that is on the mobile devices these days is just, it's just incredible. And so why not leverage it to do some of those things? The the one that we've recently put in play and the the new LiDAR technology that's available, I believe on the the 12 plus iPhone, you can literally go in and diagram a home in a 10th, I mean, easily a 10th of the time, if not even greater than it used to be from the old days of putting your laptop in the middle of the room and stretching out a tape measure and trying to draw that thing. It's literally just going around, picking it, you know, selecting the door, going into the next room, identifying that same door so that you know you've got the connecting point, and it'll start stitching all of those rooms together. It's it's really, really quite cool. The next step to that is identifying the material that's in the room. So I think from a from a restorer's perspective, the things that we can offer up to give you a jump start. Now, ideally we'd be able to give you that jump start before you even leave the office and, and get out on site. And those are the things that we're trying to do insurers are trying to do that as well can we incent the policy holder to capture those types of things about their home at the time at which they're binding coverage
0: mm-hmm.
1: so that you effectively have a you know a claim ready home can you can you leverage that and the technology allows you to go through and identify all of your personal property at a high level i mean you can't get down and you can't yet identify whether that 70 inch led tv is a sony or a visio television but if you're packing out and cleaning it and storing it, there's not really a great difference in price in that. Yeah. Uh, but if you're replacing it, quite a big difference. But yeah. those are the those are the that's the direction that the industry is progressing. The other piece that I think that uh, is on top of that is once that estimate is written, is the application of a set of rules. To help the restorer move that estimate along and get approval much more quickly. Mm-hmm. So, what we're building today is, is a rule set with, with some help with some, some industry partners that are out there and they know who they are uh, to develop a, a standard set of construction industry rules that will apply to your Xactimate price list. Now, Xactor has historically done this. Uh, we used to call them scoping and overlap rules. So, it said, okay. you know, if I'm removing and replacing the door, I don't need to actually remove and replace the lock set as well because the remove portion or activity of that lock set is taken care of when I remove the door. So those are pretty basic. Did I did I paint more ceiling than there is actually ceiling in this room? Uh, things of that nature. But there's a number of other construction specific types of rules, such as if in if I'm in Southern Cal, do I need to put specific types of strapping uh, to make the earthquake codes more effective? If I'm in South Florida, do I need to use a certain type of roll roofing or a certain type of weight of felt underneath the roof and, roof and a certain number of nails per shingle that I, might not, need, that I might not have to use otherwise. Where do I use drip edge versus not? Things of that nature. There's literally thousands of rules that we can fire in an instant on an estimate and provide you with that detail, provide your estimator with that detail so that before they return that estimate to your office, if you're qualifying it or return it to the carrier, it's been qualified on top of that, insurers have their own rules, their own standard operating yep. guidelines uh, that they require for how they like their estimates to be formatted and certain guidelines that they like to use. The, the insurers will be able to apply those rule sets on top of it. The restorer will be able to apply their own rule sets on top of it. So if the insurer says you need to do this with number X t- amount of time, I can dial that down and make sure I'm actually beating that SLA. These are the things that are going to be critical for the industry and that are just things that took a lot of manual work to do historically in the past that we can automate and and put those things in place. So again, to to assist in the estimating process and to assist in applying those rules that will help you qualify that estimate. Exact scope, the other one, uh, which is specifically water mitigation to start with and then moving on to interior and exterior, estimation is can we literally and yes we are literally allowing you to estimate within sketch by dragging and dropping you know drying equipment air movers uh, etc dehues and so on putting up containment barriers that automatically do the estimate and then applying those iicrc guidelines to the estimate for you
0: okay so talking about all this technology how does ExactWare Varus, determine who, I know you've talked about in the past, trying to be open to integration and wanting more technology to work together. So restores don't need to have 20 different platforms or 20 different things that aren't talking to each other, right? So how do you determine what technology will work with ExactWare and how to bring, what to bring into the ecosystem and what not to bring in?
1: Sure. Well, there's always things that plug well or bolt into that which we're doing today. Um, and the things we're interested in so we're, we, res, we have inbound requests from people who want to integrate with us. We have outbound research and exploration that we're doing to try and find those with whom we want to integrate. And the latter part, the ones that we're typically exploring are the things that fit in well and bolt onto that, which we do and, and don't necessarily compete with something that we do. Sure. We get a lot of inbound requests from, uh, from technologies that that compete with us, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Uh, sometimes those that have come on board and we've, with whom we've integrated, we actually end up growing into a competing position with them as we expand our services, or they end up growing into a competing position with us as they expand our services. But literally we're, we're, we're all about customer choice. And, you know, we ideally as a business, we want to operate and be the most effective, most efficient, provide you with the best solutions at the best price that's on us. But we also have a platform upon which the majority of the property insurance industry in the United States and Canada operate. And we realize that that is a highway upon which everybody drives. Uh, and we want to make sure that we, everybody has access to that highway. Uh, right now, there's, you know, the way we've, we've got it structured, we have to really build out our API strategy. And that's one of our biggest initiatives. And the API strategy application programming interface just allows things to connect much more quickly using standards that you can turn on and off with a switch. Right now, there's a fair amount of work and support that goes into those integrations. Uh, and therefore, it, it takes a little bit of time. And we're, therefore, we're a little bit more selective with who we let into that, uh, into that boat, so to speak, because of that. The other piece is that because we have the platform upon which The property claims industry operates. We've got a lot of data from insurers who really put a responsibility upon us to be good stewards of that data. You've got to be very cautious. Cyber liability is something that's incredible. Now, most most of what you get in a property claim is not that sensitive of information. You know, we're not getting credit card information. We're not getting social security numbers, anything like that. I mean, when you think of name, address, telephone number.
0: You can Google that.
1: You can Google it, used to be able to go to the white pages, but people get upset when that stuff is shared. So it's still classified as as sensitive. uh, And so we have to protect it as such. But because of that, we have to make sure that those who come on with us have certain limits of cyber liability and meet certain data security requirements. Um, We have had in some cases, especially with some insure techs that are really solid and ones that we believe have a real positive potential impact in the industry, we can work with them to ramp those things up over time. Because if somebody doesn't have the, somebody, it's, it's hard for a company that has very little income today to afford a, you know, a $10 million plus cyber viability policy. Sure. So we've got to work through those issues. You know, there's a, there's a chicken and the egg yep. concept we have to work through. But, you know, we're willing to do that. Uh, but in general, our we you know we call it an ecosystem. The ecosystem is open. That's been the big mantra that we've been pushing in our Elevate conference and in all of our documentation and in our trade shows. And you know we we want people to feel like we are open. Um, we we're trying to apply a certain set of rules about when we should versus not. But typically, those are on the technical side, yeah, and on the ability for them to maintain certain levels of security with the data. And as long as everybody agrees, meaning the insurer agrees that this is who, somebody that they want to on the ecosystem and the contractor agrees this is, this is an insure tech that they want on the ecosystem, then it's a pretty easy decision.
0: Okay. So I see a lot of conversations in the industry and even at some industry events talking about the difference between Simbility and Xactimate on their price lists. And there there is some variety, right? Um, so from the Xactor side, talk about your pricing methodology, how you use data to come up with your price lists, where all of that is coming from. You don't need to speak to the Simbility side, of course, but how are your price lists created?
1: So it's, uh, in general, it's, it's the same way that if, if I'm Mike Fulton Construction and I'm out in the market serving Northern Utah, how would I develop a pricing structure that would enable me to go out and write estimates in an, efficient, in an efficient manner? You know, I don't want to, if I've got any kind of a size of business, I don't want to go out on site and meet with Michelle at her home and say, well, let me get my plumber out here next week and my, ele- my electrician here in a couple of days and yes. my siding guy to take a look at it. Next thing you know, it's three weeks before you get an estimate. I've got to develop some kind of pricing information that would enable me to go out and expedite an estimate. And the way I would do that is based upon prices that I would get from my plumber and from my electrician and my siding guy and my drywall guy, either, either by contacting them on a regular basis or using prior jobs, recent prior jobs that they've done for me to develop that as a starting point. Uh, and so the way I would do that as a business operator, a small business operator, is maintain it in a list. and I would keep that up to date by making calls to my material suppliers and getting information where I can, understanding m- what my labor market is, understanding the amount of time it takes a person to install that 7 uh, you know sheet of OSB on a vertical wall versus a gable end versus a you know a roof deck or something like that and being able to pull all that together. So understanding my cost to do a thing if I'm doing it internally, understanding my cost to pay for a thing if I'm subbing it out, and then comparing those two and and using an aggregate price. Now, if I'm in the business and I'm doing that um, for my own business in a particular market, I'm generally not going to pick the highest price that I'm going to go out and, and put in front of my potential customers. Sure. Nor am I going to pick the lowest price. I'm going to pick something that I'm familiar with working with, um, and that's probably more middle of the road. You know, how can I get the best bang for my buck? How can I get the best quality service? How can I get the best uh, the best sub for the best price? The people that I can count on, and that's literally what we do, although in a very scaled fashion. So you know, we're
0: very we're collecting very.
1: estimates uh, to the tune of millions per year. We're making phone calls to to suppliers that don't have uh, electronic data that they feed to us. And there's a few of them that that, that do do that. We're making phone calls to contractors in the market to the tune of about 300 plus thousand per year. Uh, And it's just trying to get that information in, aggregating it and then having our systems churn through it and say, for this group of zip codes, here is the aggregate price that we're going to publish for drywall, for baseboard, for roofing, et cetera, versus this group of zip codes, um, that's one thing that we'll do. And then the other thing that um, we would do, same thing that I would do if if working in a market, is what are the differences in the market that I'm trying to serve? So I'm in I'm in Northern Utah today. Is there really realistically a price difference between, you know, the Provo area versus the Salt Lake area? Certainly with the Park City area, uh, there's certainly a price difference there. But trying to maintain those things and. And where do those boundaries meet so that we can make sure that we're being appropriate for each one of those markets? So in general, the way I describe it to people is the same thing that you would do on a much larger scale. Mm -hmm. And um, accuracy is relative, as we've discussed. The same way if I'm marching out to Michelle's home to, to do an estimate, I'm going to look at what are the specifics of this job. You know, If you, if you live in, in a penthouse in Midtown versus up on a mountainside estate, those are all things I have to deal with to get the material there and to get the people there to make that happen. But all of those things have to be taken into account uh, and rightfully should be taken into account from an adjustment perspective when you're writing an estimate. So that's in general what we do. Um, really take a, a hard look at things. We've been doing this uh, for 30 plus years. And uh, we've got 17, roughly 17,000 line items uh, in 476 markets that we're publishing on a monthly basis. So you do the math, that's, that is a lot of information. Uh, and um, you know, are, are we always correct? Absolutely not, but uh, it's best efforts. And I think uh, having, having the, the certification program out in the field, I think is gonna be key to helping us making that even more appropriate.
0: For contractors that are submitting pricing feedback, I feel like this is an old discussion now, right? We've been talking about submitting feedback for years. It's not a new concept at this point, but for people who are maybe just kind of getting into it, what should their expectation be of, okay, I submitted feedback. Should I get an email back? Should I expect to see changes? Like what is the, expect- what, should the what should contractors expect when they're submitting feedback?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple of ways to do it. Let's just review that. And we always do talk about it, but you can't talk about it enough. Um, But, you know, whenever you, so if it's program work, let's call, qualify that. You get an assignment from a carrier to go write an estimate at Mike's house. As soon as you click complete and upload that estimate to the system, that's feedback that we look at. If you're going out and writing estimates on non-program work, so non-assignments that come through, you want to submit that because that might be using your own pricing information that's not specifically exact work pricing. And you want to get that up into the network so that it can make a change. The way you do that is you have to mark that estimate as complete. That is the thing that tells Exactimate to trigger that for upload the next time you connect. So mark estimates complete all the time. That way we're getting that feedback. The other ways uh, is, is certainly via our online tool to uh, or to pick up the phone or send an email at pricing at exactware.com. Uh, obviously, if you're making a phone call, you're you're getting a response because you're getting a live body on the other end of the phone that, uh, you know, and you're talking to somebody that's actually put on a tool belt and, you know, uh, you know, cre- um, you know done framing, done finished carpentry, done drywall, things all of that nature. If you're sending in an email, you should absolutely uh, expect a response. You should expect an initial response with perhaps some follow-up questions and then ideally a follow-up response with regard to the results of what your feedback has offered. And I will say that that last piece doesn't always happen as well as it should because there's a number of this that's coming in and it just has to be tracked and we have to respond uh, to it. But in general, the process is, is once I send something in via email and it says, please look at the drywall price in this particular market, believe it or not, we still get a lot of those emails that don't tell us really what whether you're talking about Columbus Ohio or San Diego California uh, or or who you are what company you're with anything like that so you have to understand the more information you can provide to us the more appropriately we're going to be able to respond and the more quickly we'll be able to respond to you so please please provide us with some information some some have got this down pat or they'll say Greg and I'm referring to Greg Pine who leads up that team or any one of his analysts this is Michelle Blevins, I'm in this particular market. I need you to, to look into this price for this specific item code. Here's where I'm having a challenge with it. I'm having a challenge in these situations. Uh, and here are some drywall subs that I use with, with whom you can verify that price. And then we can jump on that really quickly and provide you with not just an initial response, but something ideally later on that shows you what the results of those are. Part of so it's key. It's key for us uh you know the feedback is key i've always said are the restorers are our eyes and ears in the in the field but we need you to communicate with us in in the most effective way so that we can act upon it Uh, and again that pricing certification course and that pool of golden contractors that we're going to have into that list is going to be going to be tremendous for us
0: where do people find out more about the pricing certification course and is it being offered everywhere across the country
1: Uh, I think it is. Um, Send an email to pricing at exactware.com. You should be able to find it. I mean, we've just switched over the exactware.com website over to verisk.com. And it's not always as easy to find the things there that you used to be able to find. And those are some things that the team uh, back in the home office are taking care of. But I, I believe you're able to find something out about it on the website at some point. But just pick up the phone and give us a call. Uh, you know, if you dial into our 800 number, I think you can press option three or four to connect to the pricing team, uh, and and talk to them about, it or send an email to pricing at exactware.com. They will they'll get you on the list, queue you up to show you what when, when the next certification courses are. It's it's not for everybody. I mean, it is it's for we want the best of the best. Not to saying that we don't have anything but that in the field, but we want the folks that are really going to understand what the market is doing in their particular area beyond their own company. Everybody knows what their own costs are, but you need people who really understand what's happening in the market surrounding them so that we, they can act uh, as uh, literally as one of our team in the field.
0: Yep. So what trends are you seeing as far as how the industry is going so far this year, we've kind of been light on big weather events. We've had some localized things here and there, but so far, it's been a quiet hurricane season so far. We still have the hot bed coming maybe, but, um, you know, we hear about wildfires, although I don't know, that's maybe more of just, I hate to say it, like they're just common now and kind of always burning, which is unfortunate, I guess. Um, what are you seeing as far as trends go, especially weather related for the industry this year?
1: Yeah, the interesting thing, and we've been talking about this the last couple of rounds that we've done, is that especially when you have a storm, you know, there's always the the potential and realistic surge that you get in labor costs as a result of a storm. And, and it's, you know, it's supply and demand, right? Can my supply of labor meet the demand in that particular market? And so if I'm in a if I'm in a depressed construction or restoration market and a storm comes through and causes a lot of damage, I have the supply to meet the demand. I often don't see a great, a great demand surge in pricing relative to labor or material. But in these days it's we're in a boom. I mean it, New construction, remodeling is in a boom. Everybody that has a hammer and knows how to swing it is working. If you wanna work, there's a job for you to be had in, in the construction and remodeling and restoration industry. So the, the, the fear has been, what do you, what will happen? I mean, if we have a major hurricane hit the Southeast, is it like you can bring, you know, restorers from Texas and, and Arkansas and Tennessee and Georgia into, into Louisiana? Because everybody there is busy as well possibly yes but the the results of that kind of demand surge could be could be just incredible something that we haven't seen in many 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 years um so but that being said it has been a slow year i mean this this dry weather pattern i heard someone say a couple weeks ago that the dry weather pattern in the atlantic that has been preventing these hurricanes is supposedly going to be ending here within the next week or so and so I'm actually I was actually looking at the radar today, and we're starting to see some disturbances come off of Africa, but we just have not seen anything in the Atlantic. There's been interestingly a few storms, hurricanes in the Pacific that you know mm-hmm. kind of head out west and and don't really do much damage uh, because they don't. There's nothing for them to hit. But the floods uh, that have been happening, a lot of people have been impacted by those. I know a lot of our customers have been you know having to really mobilized to service those, uh, those flooded areas in the Midwest. A lot of flooding happening in, in the Southwest right now, uh, flooding in Texas that we heard in, in, the, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area just over the last couple of days. So a lot of people reacting to those types of things. Mm-hmm. Often the way that flood is, happens is because it's, it's insured through the NFIP, you know, there, there are not a lot of assignments that come from directly from carriers Yep. Uh, for the flood program, so while our contractor market is out servicing those storms we don't we may not see that feedback because it's not coming back through as a completed assignment so again, mark those estimates complete we'll see them so that we can have that impact on the feedback to, as it comes back through but just remains to be seen I mean this climate change is real uh, it is that we are in a we're in a significant drought in the west
0: mm-hmm. yes. All right. So you talked about at the beginning, before we wrap it up, you talked about how you made a career out of looking at data and trends in the industry and kind of seeing what's coming ahead and being able to predict some of those things. So what do you see for the industry kind of as a whole, especially maybe when it comes to technology over the next few years?
1: Well, we talked about it, uh, but I think the increase in mobile technology or the technology that's available on the handheld and mobile devices is really going to drive what happens in the marketplace. And that's why we've taken we actually took, so we, we've we had two licenses to Xactimate that we've offered historically. We've had our standard license, which is a single platform license. You could either use desktop or, or online. And we've had our pro license, which is a multi-platform. You get desktop, you get online, and you get mobile. Um, because all of this technology that is really going to provide lift to the industry is going into the mobile devices, we want to be able to offer that up to our customers at the best price. So what we've done is we we actually this year lowered the price of our pro solution so that if you pay for it for a full year in advance it's i think it's like 25 bucks different for the year you know or per month different than yep. than what you get the standard license and seeing a lot of people convert to that but yep. i think that's the direction that the industry is going to go so remote sensing remote measuring object recognition material identification things of that nature that are going to happen and help you to expedite that estimate Um, are are really what's gonna be key going forward. And then uh, as we talked about earlier, the back end, the audits and the rules uh, that we can apply to an estimate to ensure that you're meeting appropriate guidelines uh, for the construction market, for the industry and for the individual carrier for whom you're doing the work or for you as a a contractor restoring organization. What are the standards that you want to apply to to those uh, folks that are out writing estimates on your behalf?
0: Perfect. Well, Mike, thank you very much. Anything else you want to add? Anything that we didn't touch on? We talked about a lot.
1: Wow, I I should have been taking notes on everything that we did uh, touch (laughs) on. It it is a lot, uh, (laughs) but there is a lot to talk about. I hope we covered most of what you wanted to go through uh, in this session. I just encourage people, as I encourage you, Michelle, to reach out anytime. Um, I know I was able to get out uh, to quite a few events. Yeah. last year to speak in front of, uh, you know, our contractor organizations. This is where my heart is,
0: mm-hmm. folks,
1: uh, and really enjoy getting out and, and just, you know, rubbing elbows with folks and talking about what we can do to make the industry better. Appreciate everything that everybody does uh, out there. It's a, it's a tough job. And, you know, we, we, in the technology business, we have a lot of, not that this is a bad thing, but a lot of younger generation coming into- yeah coming into the space and everybody, my kids are the same way, you know, they all want a career in making the world a better place. And, you know, insurance uh, restoration and software isn't often thought of as that, but, you know, really everything that we do is designed to get a check into a policyholder's hands more quickly and ideally get them back into their home more quickly. So I like to tell our folks, we're, we're saving the world one home at a time.
0: One home at a time. Well, Mike, thank you. It's always It's always a pleasure. Thank you for all of your transparency and always being open to these conversations. I appreciate it. Absolutely. For more restoration today,
1: visit our website, cnrmagazine.com, or find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts.